Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to talk about experiencing extraordinary favor during disappointment. This is something that relates to every one of us because we have experienced disappointment. And if you are a believer, then you should be. I pray that you will experience extraordinary favor God is a comforter for those who are uncomfortable, to the disappointed, to the despairing, to the hurting. God provides ordinary disappointments for us to live out our faith while taking those everyday moments to do extraordinary things. You don't have to be spectacular. God works with the common man and the common woman. Do you believe The Lord can make your regular life and typical troubles can take them and do extraordinary things. I hope so, and if not, though, I hope to convince you otherwise. God is very much interested in you. The mundane moments, the typical troubles that we all have. We hear the great stories. We like to hear those testimonies in our church meetings of the person who did profound things, poorly, crimes committed, and God did something extraordinary. Well, I want you to know that God is in your very ordinary, typical life. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I am Rick Thomas. I am glad that you are here. If you want to read what I'm going to share with you, you can go to that uh, to that on our website. The title of the article and the podcast, Experiencing Extraordinary Favor During Disappointment. And you're welcome to read that. I have a couple of the articles that are linked there. And as always, you can talk to us because we are accessible. If you have the internet, you can go to Cyberspace. And we have our big box store there. We have a team there as well. And we would love to serve you in Cyberspace. So come talk to us. We have a community forum where anybody in the world can ask their question. We also have a private forum for those who support our ministry. Let me tackle one question here. I've had a couple of pastors ask how we can partner with their local churches. Now, that is my love language right there. Uh, That is what we are about, helping local churches to do the work of discipleship well. And so if we can help you, if we can come alongside your local church, please contact me. I'm not going to get into all the ways that we can do that in this podcast because I want to get to the main I want to get to the main meal here. But I do want you pastors to know that it's my heart's desire to help Christians to be able to disciple each other well and that's what we do. We have forums and articles and podcasts and videos ways of communicating. We have mastermind training. We have an online training school. We have books. I do public speaking. There's a lot of things that we can do, and we customize it to the church because every church is not the same. And so if you would like to chat about this, please contact us. Go to rickthomas.net. Hit the contact button and say, hey, uh, how can we partner with you? Many Christians use our articles and podcasts as homework assignments because they're they work, and they are excellent supplemental material. And there's other things that you can do as well, but for the two pastors that have asked, thank you so much for asking, and and we want to work with you. So contact us and let us know. Church member, uh, perhaps you can connect us. You can do a little blind date 
set up, if you will, and talk to your pastor and and then contact us and give us the email address that we need. And if he's okay with it, make sure he's okay with it. He's a busy man. I don't want to bombard him with stuff that he doesn't want. He's got plenty to do and plenty to think about. But if he's okay with it and you want to work as a go-between for now, please do that. I've had uh, someone do that recently where they like what we were doing and they told their church, uh, told their pastor about us and then I contacted the pastor because he wanted me to and now we're getting together to talk and see how we can partner. So however you want to do it, just let us know. Again, this article is experiencing extraordinary favor during disappointment. Have you ever wondered what God might be up to with some of your more difficult life challenges? Have you ever doubted whether or not the Lord was for you? You hear that language in Romans 8, God is for you. Do you believe he's for you? He's on your side. He wants to give you extraordinary favor, especially during your hard times. Do you know how to perceive the works of the Lord in your fallen life when things are disappointing? Sometimes God cannot be perceived. Things are so cloudy. The day is so heavy. Life is so complicated. It's not unusual to doubt God's love and protect, protective care for you or wonder if He is in your mess at all. Some of the most reliable, most courageous, and faithful people in the Bible struggled with these kinds of thoughts. I want you to listen to my old friend Job, as he tries to perceive the presence of God during his season of suffering. I want to share with you Job 23, part of it. He said this in chapter 23, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. That was Job when he was in the heart of it. I remember the day vividly when I read this passage of Scripture in the way that you want to read a passage of Scripture. You know, you can read a verse or a chapter or a section. You can read it a hundred times, but it never leaps off the page. It never grabs your heart. You never have that aha moment. I remember when I had one, when I got to Job 23 and read this, it was painful because I was starting to relate in a way that I could never relate before. And by the way, I did 30 years later, wrote, I wrote about those things it's in my book called Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. If you want to read an autobiographical hybrid Job book, I wrote about Job and I what I did is I began to weave my story into Job's story and it came out as a hybrid book called Suffering Well. A lot of people have read that book, and we've had some wonderful reviews, a lot of encouragement, and I would encourage you, I would appeal to you uh, to get that book. You can find it in our store. It's just a couple hundred pages, and you can read it, and you will benefit by it. Job eventually righted the ship of his thinking. 
There was a time when his thoughts were tossed like a wave of the sea as the winds of destruction blew through his life. He was a righteous man. He was a mature man. But he doubted God when things went wrong for him. Now you know Job's reaction to suffering is not the exception to the rule. How he responded and how all of us have responded to our troubles, though Few of us have ever experienced anything on the scale of Job's calamities. But Job is a picture of every man. He's a picture of every woman. We all flinch in the face of danger. We're people of the dust. We're dirt clods. We're red men. We're Adam. We're Adamic. God kicked us up from the dirt and breathed into our nostrils. And and we became animated But when our clay pots are on the verge of breaking, it is so easy for us to plummet into despair. This reality is why we need to learn how to fortify ourselves. Suffering does not come only in big Job packages, but it comes in ordinary brown wrappers too. That's you and me. The person who learns how to respond correctly to the Lord during the ordinary disappointments in life will be more likely to respond well when the big disappointments and the big Job packages when they come knocking. And this is where God excels on our behalf, in the mundane, in the ordinary. And that's why I want to focus this podcast and the article in the mundane, because it is through these everyday disappointments that if we don't guard our hearts, if we don't understand that God is, is for us, He's writing a script, He's writing our narrative, if we do not perceive this and respond biblically to it, it will be this daily grind. It would be death by a thousand paper cuts that will, that will eventually take our vibrancy for the gospel away from us. You see, the Lord provides ordinary disappointments for us to live out our faith while taking these ordinary moments to do extraordinary things. We see the most profound iteration of this idea through the gospel narrative. There was a man who was put to death on a tree 2,000 years ago. He was a regular guy, killed in an ordinary way. When Isaiah thought about the life of Christ, he said it this way and. 53, chapter 53 of his book. He said, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. Isaiah began by asking an important question that has a practical application for us. He asked, who has believed the report about Christ? Who has ears to hear? Who has eyes to perceive how the Lord can use ordinary people to bring about extraordinary accomplishments? Christ was not majestic, nor did he have beauty to desire. He was ordinary. He looked like his peers Do you believe the Lord can take your ordinary life and typical troubles and do extraordinary things? Do not move too fast from my question. How you think about and how you respond to my question can impact people around the world as well as around your cul-de-sac. If sovereign God can take take the ordinary and create the extraordinary, How do you think about the everyday experiences that happen in your life? What if you 
trimmed my question down to a specific kind of everyday experience in your life. I'm talking about those frustrating experiences, the disappointing ones, those painful moments when it feels almost impossible to lift your head to the horizon and hope for a brighter day. I'm sure that is how the disciples felt that day when they saw a common man dying commonly. Even though he debriefed with them about how his death was the beginning of the best days of their lives. Think about that. My death will be the beginning of the best days of your lives. The actual end of their friend was so overwhelming that it smothered the future predicted goodness by the darkness of their disappointment. What about your ordinary life? How aware are you of the good plans that the Lord has for you, specifically through the difficulties that you are currently experiencing? Are you tempted, like the disciples, to overfixate on the disappointment? rather than perceive the Lord's long-term plans that are well beyond the hurt? Are you able to understand how your disappointment is an essential part of the process that the Lord is working in you? Now, my goal here in this podcast is not to give you a plan. I'm not going to give you seven steps to leave your pain behind, though I'm sure that would be preferable to you. I, I have... I can remember, I can recollect many times where I asked God for my seven-step plan to get out of my trouble, but I can't do that. And in your more reasonable moments, you know that I cannot and possibly should not remove your suffering. Now, the reason I say that, for example, in John 12, 24, Jesus said, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. As I said, I know in your more reasonable moments that I should not remove your suffering. And as a believer, you know that intuitively, even though you're like me, a broken clay pot. And we want the suffering to go away. But what I can do is I can give you hope. A hope that is grounded in God's Word. It is authentic hope. It is persevering, giving hope. Because it's not only born out of Scripture, but it is given to you by the illuminating Spirit of God who empowers and enables you to find fortification through your trials. As you reorient your mind around this concept of being used in extraordinary ways through an ordinary life, it may be helpful to frame your thoughts by these two theological terms. Are you ready for them? The first one is primary cause. The second one is secondary cause. You need to understand primary cause and secondary cause if you want to be used in extraordinary ways through an ordinary life. The Lord is the primary cause change agent in the world. He is the sole owner and judge of this title. No other person or power can be the primary cause change agent in anybody's life. God is the primary cause. We are the secondary cause agents. We are responders who have a responsibility before God and others to actively participate in the narrative that God is writing. If you want to experience extraordinary things through an ordinary life, you need to understand the primary cause and the secondary cause. 
let me share briefly with you about the primary cause. When Isaiah thought about God being the primary cause agent of all things that happened to us, he said it this way in Isaiah 40. This is really good. Isaiah was thinking about his big omnipotent God, and he says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Oh yeah, he's the primary cause. Do not be deceived. It is the Lord who sits on the circle of the earth. I love his way of writing Isaiah. And he brings princes to nothing. You must fix your mind on this truth. God is the primary cause, change, agent. No matter what is going on in your life, God is the controller of all things. He is the controller, a truth that will either cause you to swell with hope or shrink in despair. If you desire to be the primary cause and change agent in your life, you will be driven to despair because you don't have that much power. You're not given that much control to manage your life. It's not your privilege. It's his. But if you securely fix your hope in the goodness, the mercy, the power of sovereign Lord, you're in the perfect spot for, pers for persevering grace. Understanding the practical reality of primary and secondary causes can set your soul free. That is what the disciples had to grapple with. Is God the transcending power over all things, or is there some other power that can thwart His perfect purposes? That is the question. And by properly, meaning biblically, affirming and adapting their thinking to these truths changed how they responded to what was happening to them. Did you hear what I just said? It changed how they responded to what was happening to them. They went from despair and denials, remember Peter, to confidence in Christ, remember Peter, along with an action plan that turned the world upside down. The, t the two things to remember about primary and secondary causes are sequence, one, and responsibility, two. You've got to get this sequence right. The sequence is always God. The primary cause, the primary cause agent, he is first and you are second. That is the sequence, meaning it is essential for your first thoughts to be about God and what He is up to in your life before you start considering your responsibilities in the task that is set before you. Too often when something happens that's disappointing within us, in our lives, with us, our first thoughts go to the secondary cause. What should I do? What should I eat? What should I wear? Where shall I go? What should I say? No. You have to understand the sequence correctly. The sequence is always God first, the primary cause agent. You second, the secondary cause agent. Let me give you a personal illustration. After hearing the news about my brother's murder in 1987, I first asked the Lord about his purposes and plans for that tragedy. 
My questions to him helped to establish my starting point, which determined the path forward, do you understand? The correct sequence is essential. When tragedy, big or small, comes into your life, you must direct your first questions to the Lord. You must grapple with His purposes and His plans for your disappointment. He is the author of your script. It would be foolish to not talk to Him first. This perspective is not a hollow religious requirement, so you can move on to the problem-solving stage. No, stop. These are real and legitimate questions that require you to settle on God-centered answers, even if those answers do not mitigate or remove your suffering. You must discern as much as you can subjectively understand the Lord's will for your disappointment. And as you are discerning, it is essential for you to filter your queries through the grid of God's goodness, through the grid of His mercy, through the grid of His unstoppable love for you. If His perfect attributes, if His perfect character are not the lens through which you are studying the Lord's ways, you will not be able to discern Him quickly. That is the primary cause. Get the sequence. Get the responsibility right. Here's the secondary cause. As you are reshaping and transforming your mind by God's perspective on your troubles, you are now positioned to respond to your circumstances with God-centered faith. Now you are ready for the call to action in your life. But first, let me give you a, a note to self. You are not a passive responder to the Lord's sovereign acts. You have an active and living faith. You don't let go and let God, as some people teach. That is weird. That's awkward. That's unbiblical. The Lord will do His good pleasure in you while expecting you to work out what He is working in. Now, with this understanding and respect for the primary cause, change, agent, the Lord, in your life, you're now paused to proceed as a secondary actor in the narrative that the Lord is writing in your life, you have a job to do. Let me give you a commercial. Just do it. It would not be enough for the disciples only to have fixed their minds on a God-centered worldview regarding the death of their friend Jesus. Though they did come to the right place in their thinking regarding how they perceived the death of Christ, they had to go one step farther than that. They had to respond, secondary cause, according to their newly minted God-centered worldview. Mercifully, that is what the disciples did. And the scripture narrative did say that they turned the world upside down. I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's, all, it's in Acts 17.6. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, quote, These men have turned the world upside down, have come here also. They did not sit, belly-gazing, philosophizing, <laughs> that's a hard word, about the goodness and greatness of God. They girded up their loins like men of action, and they got busy 
While the disappointment broke their hearts over their loss, and your heart is broken too, they were bolstered by the good plans that the Lord had for them. Thus what they do. They lost out in faith, knowing God was with them, knowing that God was for them. I've shared this before, but one of my favorite passages in all the Scripture is Genesis 39.2. And there's two words there that I really want to highlight. Genesis 39.2 comes right in the middle, or right at the beginning, rather, of Joseph's story. Joseph's story goes from 37 to 50 in the book of Genesis. And it is going bad for him. Things are going south, literally. I suppose it was southwest, literally, for Joseph. But in Genesis 39, 2, you have these two words. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. The whole sentence says this, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. But those two words, with Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph. You need to know that. He, he was with an ordinary man doing extraordinary things. And like the disciples in the book of Acts, they were bolstered by, their good plan, by the good plans that the Lord had for them. So they launched out in faith knowing God was not just with them, but he was for them. And the wind was it at their backs, even though things were very hard for them. The title of this podcast and the article on our website, Experiencing Extraordinary Favor During Disappointment. If you have any question about this, if you want to talk about it, I encourage you to come to our website, rickthomas.net, and that you ask your question and let us serve you because you have disappointment in your life or you had it and you're going to have it in the future. And these are things that are worthy of our discussion, and we would love to serve you. Here's your call to action. With all these things in mind, I want to give you a few reflective questions that will serve you. And because we're talking about suffering, let me recommend that you sit with a trusted friend to talk about these things. Perhaps, as I was saying earlier at the top of this podcast, that we, we work with local churches and maybe the pastor or a small group leader would want to take this article and, and send the link to everybody in the small group and you all talk about this. Pain is one of those things that can so easily cloud our judgment and we need the community around us helping us to think clearly, especially when we're going through the despairing times. Question number one, would you consider yourself problem-centered or person-centered? Now, I put the word person with a capital P, meaning God-centered. Would you consider yourself problem-centered or person-centered, meaning are you quicker to focus on your problems or the person, God, behind your problems? Another way of saying that is that are, do you focus more on the secondary cause, you and your problems, or do you so? Focus more on the primary cause, God, who is writing the script of your life. You'll discover your answer by how you talk about your issues. And this is one of the things that I assess about people who come to us with trouble. I want to hear how they are talking about their trouble. Do you talk more about your struggles or do you talk more about the person, God, who has written these things into your narrative? And so question number one, would you consider yourself problem-centered or person-centered? Number two, how is God's persevering grace stabilizing you through your unchangeable situation? Is it? If not, why not? This is something that you need to talk about. 
God is a persevering God, and as a secondary cause agent, you are to respond to Him and work out what He is working into your life. How is His persevering grace stabilizing you during your difficult time right now? Number three, when you think about God being the primary cause, change agent in your life, does that reality strengthen or weaken your faith? Now, that is important to think about because sometimes people think about the hardship in their life and then they collide into the sovereignty of God. And when they do, they go into further despair, kind of like what Job was saying at the beginning. You remember Job right in the middle of his book, Oh, that I knew where I might find him. I might come to his seat. I go forward. He's not there. Backward, I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right, but I do not see him. Job was plummeting. He was bumping into the sovereignty of God in his unchangeable situation, and he was falling deeper into despair. The question is, when you think about God being the primary cause agent in your life, does that reality strengthen or weaken your faith? Why did you answer that way? Whichever way you answer. Number four. What are some specific and practical things that you can do as you apply these ideas to your life? I recommend that you name at least two things and that you write out a brief and applicable plan, an action plan, and then you share those things with your friend. I know what it's like to be on the mat, and as much as you would like to get up and follow the Lord and and express gratitude and thanksgiving for what He's doing in your life, it is virtually impossible. I understand that position. And that's why I want you to connect with us, because some of you are really going through a hard time now. Perhaps you know somebody who is, as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, be patient with them. Be patient with all of them. And so as you serve our struggling brothers and sisters, be patient. And if we can serve you, please come to us and let us do just that. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.